Hello spacers, Ray here with my Robo Rat Calcifer. We just got back from our most recent kill. Anyways, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Starlight. This podcast is a labor of love and we're excited to be sharing it with you. We hope you laugh and cry along with us in these fun adventures. If you like what we have to offer, or even if you think it's just tolerable, can you pretend to like it with at least a five-star review and subscribe? And if you really like us, or you think we're a little more than tolerable, please check out our Patreon. We put a lot of effort to make it a place you might have a little fun. Thank you for listening to this adventure. We're excited to share the journey with you. See you later, spacers. Was the night aboard the C2, and all through the ship, the radar wasn't stirring, not even a blip. The crew all journaled without a care, for they had the hero's journal to help them prepare. McKenna, an elephant on two legs, wrote snug in her bed, I am thankful to not be wed. The sharp shooting of Clive, and the formation of this beautiful hive. Visions of being better, a more centered loxodon dancing in her head. Clive snuggled down to write in his tattered clothes and cap. But today, I learned to dance. It was exhilarating, the best I've ever felt. Now, for me, it's time to nap. Pleased, he was headed towards his goals. He prepared for the dark place and a good night nap. Then there there was Atlas, who goal set with a clatter. Become more powerful, find the monster from his past, take care of the last loved ones in his life. He was the strongest in the universe, but even so, he needed goals that matter. Over a year and with a flash, the hero's journal made them all better with a whooshing wash. Increasing productivity, mindfulness, and goal-accomplishing flow, they found the heroes to the journey lay within them just below. Complete with pictures that make the fun appear. Each page is a magic story like flying reindeer. Recognize who wants to be quick? The journal makes accountability, visualization, and development fun in a flick. Their colors, quality cover, and Discord community are the bomb. So check them out now at heroesjournal.co. Wow. Here we go. Roll for initiative. Alright guys, welcome back to this episode of Starlight. We are glad to have you all and your patronage and bringing your ears to listen to the story means the world to us. And as usual, we are in the midst of season two and we are getting started on some interesting threads that are going to lead to big things. And I'm Isaac Yorks, your host and DM, and I am joined by the illustrious... I'm Courtney Yorks. Um, and I'm playing Ray Byrne today, or always, because it's just today. Never die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Nathan, and I play Alice. Why don't we go ahead and jump into this episode?
Neuralink, recall latest memories. Accessing. Squad Luma members Atlas, Kashin, and Rayburn finish up a day of shopping and mewling over what to do next when they are approached by a dwarf and former guild member by name of Ostrad Kethbearer. At his behest and a large sum of money, the dwarf hires the two to safely escort him to the planet of Eris, for he is afraid that his former family and home has set a legendary bounty hunter after him. Now, Atlas and Ray prepare to leave and possibly face the one and only Fable Gloom. Memories retrieved. So, before we jump in, we are going to go with inspiration. And the inspiration that was given out for this episode comes from the.real.elijah.rosenberg, who has responded to our question and has decided to bequeath the DM oh. with a point yes. of inspiration. Yes. I wish it was the fake Elijah Rosenberg then <laughs> who gave that, because the real one is obviously not very nice. I mean, he gave me my third point of inspiration, oh. so that's going to come in Can clutch. Can the fake Elijah Rosenberg please join us? You go ahead and make a go ahead and make an account of that. But uh, thank you to the real Elijah Rosenberg. Yes. We appreciate you jumping in and wanting to add to the depth of the game. And if any of you guys want to do that, you can find those votes on our Patreon or on our Instagram at Starlight.Adventures. So with that, we zoom in on a crisp morning on the planet of Ballastar at the feet of the Etrilis Towers. Down here where the growth and the forests that run up and meet the edge of the monstrous tower, it's thick and verdant and plenty of wildlife move about. You guys have followed this curious dwarf, Ostrad Kefbearer's directions and the location pin that he gave you to the hideout of his dragon takes you down a path that seems to wind further and further into these ravines that then eventually open up to a sheltered beachhead within a wide wide cove there as you come to the shores where most of the shores is this kind of like dark grayish sand mixed with uh, smoothed pebbles the smells of washed up seaweed, the sounds of gulls, and the cresting of gentle waves are all that greet you. You can see some old tracks, and you surmise them to be the dwarves, as doesn't seem like many other people have come to this area. And true to his word, waiting for you, sitting on a sheltered rock, rocky area nearby, is Ostrad Kefbearer. He jumps up and <laughs> you guys made it. Whew. I don't know if I could stand another day here. And he kind of just looks about a little nervous and has an uneasy smile. Well, we should be on our way then. In, in, indeed. After you. <laughs> I, of course, of course. And then he pulls back this long white sleeve that have like gold trim on the edge. And there's a 
large, almost like a watch that has this kind of giant data pad on it. He puts in a series of codes. You see a spark of light kind of run just below the surface of his skin emanating out, going from in all directions from either side. And it just looks like these little parasites of light that just move throughout his body and then slowly the lights dim. And you hear the sound as the water begins to bubble and you just see this dark shape start to ascend from the the depths of this cove. Just... And you start to hear the water kind of crash up and rivers kind of falling off the side as you see this pretty decently large dragon come up and break the surface. It is it has kind of like this like greenish fleshy exterior. The bottom of it though as you because it, it hovers up about 10 feet over the water and starts to kind of float the direction towards you and the bottom is this light tan and as it slowly rotates you see that although it has the shape of most dragons that you've seen, the front of it seems to have been developed somewhat different. Matter of fact, you've never seen a dragon with any sort of ports or windows, but this one appears to have two in the front. But they look astonishingly a lot like eyes without irises. And the dragon kind of comes over and then slowly rests nearby. And the ground kind of trembles as the, the dragon and its weight lands. And then you watch as the top the exterior of the dragon, almost as if like, almost as if it had scales that were pixelating one at a time, it turns the color of the sand. And kind of looks almost invisible. And Did you, did you grow this? <laughs> Me? Uh... No, 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 no. I was not. I'm not on that team. <laughs> no. This is amazing. Yeah, she is. She she is. And with that, the bottom begins to open up. A flesh kind of parting and a ramp extending, uh, welcoming you guys in. Uh, before I go in, I'm going to go to the front to what the eyes look like and uh-huh. wave and see if I see any, like, response. It's completely black it's like almost in the shape of eyes yeah there's no iris no nothing and it looks like dark tinted glass that you can't see yeah into but perhaps you can see out of there's no movement hmm this is interesting ostrad (laughs) i mean i guess no more than any other this is much different than any other but on our way we'll go (laughs) Okay, okay. Did you steal well, this? Way. What? Did you steal this? Did I steal this? Uh. I'll do an insight check on that. 16. <laughs> Did I steal this? No, no. But you can just tell he's like completely bullshitting you. <laughs> Ostrad. Don't lie to the people who are trying to save your life. Lesson of the day. Got it? Okay. All right. On we go. And as he kind of like welcomes you on, he kind of grumbles next to you. 
very lightly. He says, I, I didn't steal it. More so bonded with it. So it is different than other dragons. Mm, no, 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 not really, no. And that's not a lie. Can I do a search of the ship before we leave? Yes. I was just going to kind of just like look around while he's walking up the ramp. As you're coming up onto the ship, and as the the, the ramp starts to close behind you... Oh, Strahd, can you put it down really quick? Uh, I, I suppose. I just want to see these eyes one more time. And then I'm going to walk around like the long way around the ship to just do like a perception of everything. He looks at Atlas and he goes, well, I might as well show you around. Okay, I want you to go ahead and roll an investigation check. Ten. No, there's nothing really weird on the outside at all. Okay. You also do like a quick scan for any sort of like telltale signs of like being tracked or anything like that. You don't see anything of that. Okay. Uh, the ship seems a bit different from other dragons, but how it works and all of that seems to be about the same. Though you don't know how dragons really yeah. work. It seems though to work in a similar manner. Then I'll go look on the inside too and then... I'm going to cut over to Ostrad showing Atlas around. Per usual, as you walk up, the inside of a dragon not being bound or tethered to the same normal constrictions of fuel or uh, disadvantages that gravity can have on it, it is immaculate inside. You have marble flooring. The insides of the walls are wooden veneers that have been carved. The bottoms of these wooden veneers and various uh, carvings of dwarven culture actually have large quartz stones that have been lugged in and carved into various shapes kind of creating this almost like base of a rock look around it you find that there is an intense feasting hall that has a table that looks like it is meant to seat 12 people there is what appear to be many various rooms and all of them have stone doors done in the old dwarven fashion and there's a common space and then of course there is also the uh, area by with which to pilot the dragon and that area has the same centered dais that rises up and almost looks like made of metal and flesh and has veins coming off of it that then twist underneath the floor and at the height of this dais which stands about four feet, there is a pool of bubbling liquid. Ostrad goes, and he pulls down these like visor goggles from above it that are attached into the ceiling and put them onto his face, dunks his hands into the liquid, and kind of goes into this trance-like state as you hear the ship begin to rise and move once Ray is on. Um, so I'm curious, how did you get the eyes that you have? Uh, she just kind of gathered them herself not every dragon is the same they're all their own unique personality my friend <laughs> this one just grew those how did you get your eyes is it something you got from the guild or is it something that you've always had he, he kind of ruminates on the answer for a moment and he starts several times but then seems to change his mind uh you see, friend, 
it's a very particular answer that I have to give if I say one wrong thing my brain is scrambled so I remember I think I can perhaps settle on it being a normal process of guild membership so basically they can track your eyes is what I'm getting he kind of frowns thinks about it for a second and he's I've never thought about that but I don't think that's how it works but oh god what if what if and he pulls his hands out pulls the goggles off his face he goes what if Fable Gloom is following me oh my we gotta go we have to go and he throws his hands back into the liquid and pulls the goggles back down Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking, because if the guild gave him the eyes, then there's no... There's, like, it's not really, like... I mean, at that point, it's just... I mean, how I thought about it is, like, you know, with all the prosthetics and gear people get, it would be easy to, like, put a chip or something into them to where they can track them. So what I'm hearing is you have to gouge out his eyes. I want his eyes, yes. All right, so we swap over to Ray, who's moving around our same rooms that Atlas was shown moments ago. You feel the ship moving now through the air. What do you want to do, Ray? Two things. I want to be stealthy as I'm investigating anything that Ostrad seems to be hiding and wouldn't want us to see, and then any obvious signs of being tracked from the inside. You're going to roll an investigation roll and a deception roll. Are you sure? Are you sure it's deception? I feel like stealth is fitting. No. <laughs> Alright. Nope. So that's a zero. Three minus three Shouldn't for deception. And investigation would be 19. You think you're playing it pretty cool. You don't know otherwise. But as you are making your way around the, the ship and seeing the galley the large area for feasting. Most of the rooms that you go to are locked. There seems to be three that are open. One that you would assume to be Ostrad's, and then perhaps one for you or Atlas. You don't know yet. You can hear Atlas and Ostrad talking. Ostrad's voice kind of sounds far off, in the similar way that Clive's does when he would pilot the, the C2. But you don't see any sign of being followed. And it's at that point you start to kind of wonder if Ostrad is paranoid or something. But there is something odd that you do pick up on as you go once more and make a second round into the feast hall. You see that there is a few dishes left out. And they're placed around the table. And as far as you know, there should only be one dish. But from what you can see, it looks like Ostrad might just have two or three other guests. Do they look used? Yes. Okay, I'm going up to the front. Actually, I'm going to calm link Alice. Okay. Um, Alice, are you free? Yep, just sitting there. 
can you um say you have to go to the bathroom and join me at the feast hall? Uh, sure. Thanks. <laughs> See you here in a sec. Ass won't even say anything to Ostrad and just like get up and start walking away. <laughs> As you start walking away, Ostrad calls out, "Mr. Duke, <laughs> your uh, your friend is paranoid. I can see her walking around and checking out things in in my dragon. Mm. Just want you to know that I have told you everything that you need to know." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just want to impress again on you. I'm so thankful. And uh, here we go. We're going to be breaking the atmosphere soon. And then his words kind of fall away as you continue walking away. So, um, either, and I'm like almost presenting these dishes to you in a very like, um, Vanna White kind of way. So either Ostrad never does his dishes and keeps a different place out for all his dirty dishes, or there's multiple people who have been on the ship or are currently on the ship. And the guy seems pretty shady and I want a ship. Oh, so that's why. <laughs> if we could just take him down, <laughs> that's an should, option. Can Atlas try to use his like uh, the his synth infrared? Oh, his infrared? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, he'll start looking around to see if there's anything that like any heat signatures, or also anything that seems to be a lot colder than it should be. Because I don't think you've ever used infrared vision on a dragon before. No, not on a dragon. <laughs> the moment you turn on your infrared and your eyes kind of click, you are suddenly overwhelmed oh, great. by the heat signatures all around you. Oh. You look up, you look down. It is as if you're encased in flaming red. You can barely make Ray out from the dragon itself. The dragon itself seems to be one giant entity. Can he make me out? He can. I'm going to have him roll an investigation check as he's like oh. looking around with disadvantage. Investigation. Uh, Nat one minus one. So he had zero. As you're walking around, you don't see anything. You don't see anything. And then you just slam into the wall with a poof. You haven't been able to distinguish anything apart from the dragon itself. You looked like a bumbling fool. Yeah, I'm going to okay. try myself. Okay. All right, you can go ahead and roll, investigation roll, with disadvantage. That's an 18 and a 12. You too don't see anything different. You can barely make Atlas out from the ship. Hmm. Well, I can try something that we can see if there's any reaction. What's that? Atlas is just going to grow his tail out. Almost pretend like it's its own separate, like, entity and, like, have it, like, moving around kind of going towards like doors and stuff what are you hoping to achieve with your tail going around like that i just want to see if any there's like any like rustle or ruckus or like any reaction yeah. to like this big this sorry like tail coming out can't you go ahead and make a performance roll oh no 
Four. The only thing you hear is like the intercom system, and you hear Ostrad go, Hey! <laughs> you keep doing that, okay? I don't think Fablegloom is going to come any step near us when he sees what you can do. And then it rings off. Oh. He's watching us. He has eyes everywhere. My eyes are going to get really big, and I'm going to pull out Calcifer. 2.0. Oh, okay. I am just going to say retrieve. People. Not that he can bring people back, but if he, like, gets fixated somewhere is kind of what I'm looking for. Calcifer 2.0. His DC for this is going to be a 10. Okay. He has a plus zero. Okay. Go ahead and roll a just a straight intelligence check. 18! Calcifer comes down off of your shoulder, squeaks, runs circle around both you and Atlas, and it looks like it's about to grab like one of you and try to bring him back to <laughs> you, Ray, and then it stops cocks its head as you give the command one more time and it runs off and disappears go ahead and roll a uh he's not gonna have a plus but you can have him roll an investigation roll um with advantage because he can fit in small spaces six and two there's a little bit later that you hear calcifers pinging you in your mind and you get its location at where it's at, and it's calling you to come to it. Where's the location? You realize it's at the cockpit, essentially, where Elstrad is. I'm just going to say return. The command goes through? Yes. And you wait a few minutes. The rat never comes back, but you hear the sounds of footsteps, and you hear Elstrad's laugh. <laughs> Would you believe this? Look at this little guy who got in here. And now he's, like, playing with the rat who's obviously trying to get back to you. Calcifer 2.0 is trying to get back to Ray. And he's like, this is amazing. Ostrad, he's mine. I don't trust you. And I feel like there's other people on the ship. What's going on? Please return him. Return. And the rat kind of breaks free of his hands. And Ostrad goes, huh. Well, good news. (laughs) Why are there three dishes here? He looks at him, looks at you, and he goes, Well, that one is mutton. That is ale and bread pudding. And that one is sausage gravy. I'm going to incite him. He's bullshitting me again. 19. (laughs) He's telling the truth about what the dishes are. I was asking about the people, Ostrad. Oh, were there people here? <laughs> Were there people here? Of course. Were there people He's not the here only, recently? The Duke isn't the only one that I tried to get to help me. Yes, there were people here. And you, with that 19, you realize he's telling the truth about people being here. Who was here? There was a, 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 a tall fella and then two mercs. One girl, golden hair, and I think she was half elf or something like that. Um, really shady, though. And she didn't like Dwarven Ale. That's a problem. He, oh, that reminds me. Your payment upon getting here. Let me go and retrieve it. And he goes and leaves <laughs> Why is he such a liar? Uh, yeah, well. At least we can accept the payment. 
he comes back a little bit later with two fat bags jingling with the rare like minerals and jewels and he hands them to you he goes ah, let me show you to your rooms <laughs> payment as promised okay you'll find your lodgings are comfortable and hopefully there's nothing to worry about and i can get my worrying mind off and as he starts walking ahead there's like a candle that's on a sconce next to the door and it kind of flickers casting a shadow and he goes oh, 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 oh it's, a, it's okay <laughs> it's a shadow it's not <laughs> I see him everywhere and he just continues walking and showing, eventually shows you guys your rooms do we walk by any rooms that are locked um, on our way to our rooms yeah you do Ostrad what's in this room and well, this one and this one that's locked in the can this you show one? us? <laughs> well, it's just a it's just a room. Yeah, show me. Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. That is a five. I definitely will. But uh he goes and he this one always gives me a problem. Oh, don't worry, I'm really good at breaking locks and I go to do it. You so you kinda of push past him, you pull out these like tools that you use, it's this little box. And the box extends with these like various like little picks. Some for like doors that require like security cards. Others for fingerprints. This one for these old-fashioned locks. And before he can stop you, you start making your way and trying to open it. So you're gonna roll a dexterity roll, and you're gonna add your proficiency modifier. Uh, seventeen. And it opens up into a room that is completely filled with darkness. And as you step forward, a light overhead kind of comes on. And it looks like a... It's it's one of those lights that's made to look like a flame that's hanging from like this like brazier almost. And you see a room. And uh, it looks like it's beautifully furnished. But there's nothing necessarily in it. Can I do a, an investigation? It would be perception for a okay. quick for a quick check. So go to make a perception roll as you take a quick glance. Nineteen. You see that the bed looks like it was made, but not. It, it looks like it was slept in recently and like kind of just recently smoothed over. But the most telling thing of all is there is a single cup of half drinking water next to the stand of it and a uh, an earplug that has rolled off onto the floor with a little bit of earwax at the end. Who was sleeping here, Fablegloom? Or Fab he, he immediately jumps around and looks around and he goes Oh, are you <laughs> I'm not Fablegloom. I was asking if Fable if Fablegloom was sleeping here. Oh god, no. Okay, Ostrad, who was sleeping here? And I'm, like, so frustrated at this point, and it's very obvious. Okay. Would you like to roll that as a persuasion or intimidation? Let's do... They're both bad, but I'd like to be intimidating. That's a 10. Ostrad kind of backs up, backs up, backs up, runs into the front of Atlas and just, poof, has nowhere to go. And he goes, ah, 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 ah. And then you hear another voice that chirps up from underneath the grating of the floor. Ah! Just tell him! Come on, Ostrad! And you hear the grate just... Ray, you kind of... Your foot's on it, and it pushes you to the side, and you see yet another dwarf 
this one who has like a green mohawk that kind of comes back into a long ponytail and has a clean shaven face and just kind of this kind of crazy smile as he climbs up out. That'll be mine. Takes the earplug out of your hand, puts it in his pocket. And uh, these are what? These are the the, the, the rats that uh, Ostrad found to help save him from his fantasies? And Ostrad goes, it's not a fantasy. I've been seeing Fable Gloom everywhere. Yeah, you've been saying that for the past few planetary systems, okay, buddy? And if we didn't need you to pilot us to Eris, we would have already been there by now. Nice to meet you. The name's Alistair Glumdeer, and this here's Samira Glumdeer, my twin. And out from the other side crawls a completely, like, the dwarf looks exactly the same as Alistair, except that it's a girl. And uh, <laughs> she she gets up and she goes, yeah. And you would not believe how much my brother's breath stinks down there. And I am not doing that again, Ostrad. So next time, just tell him about all of us. Okay. Um, Alice, I'm going to let you take over. I need a moment before I kill everyone here. Kill everyone here? Kill everyone here. And I give him a very serious look. And you hear another voice come from the hallway behind Atlas. And you hear the waddling of feet. (laughs) Are we all coming out of hiding now? And you see a dwarf with a slightly greenish skin. Looks like he was crossed with a tiefling. And he goes, the name's Pickle. And behind (laughs) him, you see another and another and another. And when all is said and done, there is one, two, three, four, five, six dwarves. The rest of the dwarves is Ghana Halfnotch, Parker Hollowstone, Steve Tristbeard. And they all stand around you, and Ostrad looks completely deflated. Ostrad, tell me what's going on here, buddy. Just, eh, I thought you guys wouldn't help me if you knew that there was six of us to protect. Okay. And they all think I'm crazy. Do you guys have like felonies on your records? Are you like, who are you? Pickle speaks up. (laughs) Pickle be choose your words very carefully. I always choose my words carefully. (laughs) No, we are exactly as my friend Ostrad has said, running from the guild. Do you all have the ability to time or however you like, travel in space to or... see the courses of the hyperlanes uh no that would only be Ostrad which is why we cannot travel without him plus the dragon is kind of attached to him so he won't work for us though but we are all of the same sentiment that we think that is perhaps better for the dwarves to take a different path and Alistair goes, not only a different path, but one that is more in line with the Thanes of old and something with a bit more honor. So is Fable Gloom actually following you guys, or is that made up? Well, uh, <laughs> Ostrad here thinks that he is. He he is, Ostrad says. I, 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 I've seen him. And you see that there's a bit of clamor raised amongst all the dwarves, and it seems that only maybe one of the dwarves, Steve Tristbeard, seems to maybe believe Ostrad, but the rest seem to think that he's losing his mind. And it is confided in you guys, to Ostrad's dismay, that they think that perhaps some of his faculties are going. 
as navigators for the guild often do at his age. Mm. Alice, I'm going to let you take over here. I, I cannot speak to another dwarf for the next <laughs> hour. And I start sharpening my knife. Samira Glimdir sits next to you, pulls out her knife and also wickedly, like, curved blade and starts sharpening it. And she goes, you like ale? Not from dwarves. <laughs> oh, that's a problem. You're going to like it by the time we're done with this. And she starts sharpening quicker in time with you as you're sharpening. I'm going to sharpen mine really close to her. Like, too close for comfort. She only responds in kind. <laughs> oh, God. I'm getting up and moving to another room and closing the door and locking it. Ostrad turns to you, Atlas, and he goes, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I, I just thought there was no way you would <laughs> help me. So many people have turned us away just... One dwarf to escort is enough, but six? I, I swear I've seen, I've seen Fable Gloom. And the money's good. Just, I'm not crazy. Please don't make us turn around. Take us the rest of the way. You will be compensated. Dwarf in honor. Honor? I'm not there, but his honor's out the window. I was kind of just going to look over all the dwarves. Once we land or get to where we're going, how far do we have to escort to you all? It's a, it's a floating safe house. Oh, uh, Eris is a gas planet. It's uh, There's no land. But uh, it's, it's it looks like a scientific outpost. It's it's floating. We just got to land there and we offload. You guys go on your way. <laughs> How do we go on Easy our peasy. Way? Are you going to give us the ship? There should be an there should be an extra ship there. An sure. emergency getaway. Yes. So yes. if there's not though, you can you can take my dragon. <laughs> you probably need a break. I need a break. <laughs> I'm going to go make sure we're on on course. Can Alice look around and see if there's any of the doors that seem to be kind of against or very kind of like standoffish or like away from the group? You're going to make a combination. Like you're going to roll the two and add them up. Okay. A combination of perception and insight. 16 plus 2, 18. And two plus two is four. Twenty-two altogether. Yeah. No, they all seem—they all seem to have their own unique personalities. The two that seem to be kind of like the leaders of the group, if you will, are Alistair Glumdeer and the one who only introduced himself as Pickle. But everyone seems to kind of like be happily friends. Matter of fact, two are singing. One has gone to fetch a pitcher of ale. Samira is now sharpening her knife outside of Ray's room and trying to talk to her through the door. And there, it's just, it is now a bustling and live ship. And even at one point, someone goes, Cheese! And he holds up half a wheel of cheese. The other half is in his other hand, and he's already taken a big bite out of it. Are we doing this? 
Honestly, as of right now, I'm just... If we can just get the second amount of the payment, then... I think we can just decide once we get there. As of right now, we're just stuck in the air, so... We'll be at a disadvantage with how many people are here. Potentially. Okay. Okay. Then I'm just gonna stay in this room the whole time until we get there, unless <laughs> the Spable Gloom comes out and I'll kill him. Okay? Okay. Because these people are obnoxious. They're an interesting group, I'd say. Is she still outside my room? Uh, yes. Okay. So as I was saying, oh, hey, oh. <laughs> um, I need you to know something, Samira. Uh-huh. I don't like friends. Uh. I don't like talking to people. Mm -hmm. I don't like people copying me. Uh -huh. I don't like your ale. Mm -hmm. I don't like friends. Mm -hmm. I don't like people talking to me. Uh -huh. I don't like your ale. Mm -hmm. Are you insulted enough to leave? Eh, I've heard worse from goblins. <laughs> yes. Hey, you don't. You're the first dame that I've had on this ship in a while. Please don't call me a dame. I was gonna kind of look over and be like, "Hey, Ray, why don't you tell her about your magnificent beard you've had recently?" <laughs> a beard. Now that's some bold stuff for a human. Okay, Ray's eyes get big, <laughs> and if if eyes could shoot darts, that's what's happening right now. That there was no beard and I'm like looking down <laughs> awkwardly not making eye contact I honestly don't really believe that you're pretty baby faced but if you do we'll have to swap some tips wait can Atlas pull up a memory is that a thing you can show her you no, can show him on a, a data pad yes and then he's gonna bring it up and be like look at this look at this beard <laughs> ah Why'd you get rid of that? That's nice. Where's your beard? I thought I would go with something different. Besides, my brother, he loves women with beards, so it's kind of weird rooming with him and knowing how much, like, the beards really get him going. Okay, um, you're <laughs> weird. You're a little weird. Uh, yeah. Can you do me a favor? Uh-huh. Can you give me the cheese if the rat hasn't already gotten it? Yeah, sure. She gets up and she goes and starts waddling off to go get the cheese. Thank you. I'm just going to keep having her do errands. <laughs> God. And then she'll be gone at least a few minutes at a time. From there, we kind of fast forward through the rest of the of the trip, but in that time, there's plenty to laugh at or feel uneasy about. Samira never stops bothering Ray at any point, Perfect. and it's in between every like errand that Samira takes that as a sign of their friendship growing and tells her <laughs> a little bit more about various great battles she was in for her grandparents and all of those sorts of things. Ray, 
Won't ever tell Samira, but she's actually starting to enjoy her company. Then the first day goes by, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth. And eventually, Eris, the planet, starts to show up, this gaseous giant. And it, from afar, as you guys come closer and closer, it looks almost like Jupiter or something like that, where it's this orange kind of like ball in the far off distance. And you can see these like varying, like almost like layers to it that wrap around. And you can see these storms that rage throughout the the planet. And Ostrad calls out to you guys over the intercom system. And he says, all right, <laughs> this is most auspicious. Not a single sight of Fable Gloom since I brought you on, Duke. We will be making landfall to the safe house here in the next few hours. <laughs> so the dragon begins to make its way, cresting into the atmosphere. It's kind of a bumpy break in through the atmosphere. And the various panels and systems that are used to kind of see outside of the ship kind of blink to life. And you see that it is all orange skies out here. You come down to like a mid-level of the stratosphere and you guys start getting like readouts from the ship. Eris, gas giant planet, uninhabitable, except for the third quadrant. There's a thin layer of optimal life-supporting features. Gravity, normal. Winds, high, extremely dangerous at the lower stratospheres. And then that part kind of blinks out. And as you guys move into that third layer of that stratosphere, that's when you start to see life all around the ship. But it is a strange type of life. It is almost like the air is like an ocean. And the things that live there live by floating through it. You see plants with long vines that attach to one another and that have great billowing catch leaves that seem to catch the, the wind and allow them to float. You see giant balls of like white, almost like blown up things of pollen with like single stems that come down. Birds of all, of all kinds glide around and they seem to have wings, but also these like folds of skin that are always out to c- catch the air and allow them to hover at rest. Can one of you guys roll a die 100, please? I can do it. Okay. 58. As you guys are floating through, there is a small beep that goes ting, ting. Ostrad kind of like calls out and all of the the viewports change angles to where this beep is coming from. And now the ship seems to have focused in on this like small cluster of blue pinpricks that are floating closer and closer to the ship. And Ostrad says, Huh! Windwalkers! Wind <laughs> oh. oh. They're, they're pretty, pretty good. good. Well, well, most of the time, troublesome little buggers if you, if you uh, piss, piss them off. off. So, so no, everybody, everybody be on your, your best behavior. behavior. They, they are, are always interested, interested in new things. things. And you watch as this, what looks like a cloud of blue gnats grow closer and closer and closer. And and they run into the front of the ship. The ship itself almost seems to shudder. 
and there almost comes feels like there's like a low growl that runs through the entirety and then suddenly all of the lights and stuff in the ship go off and they come back on and when they come back on you see this cloud of blue windwalkers in the room where you ostrad all of the dwarves are and now that you can see them closer you see small blue forms little bodies maybe about two inches in height all of them look to be uh like feminine in appearance and they they look like they're little pixies little fairies and they float on over and look at all of you curiously some of them smile and start to come up to you one of them goes all the way up to atlas stops right in front of his nose moves its head sideways and then puts its hands out together as if expecting something he's gonna give it one of his uh extra strong cigars and just put it right on the palms this cigar is bigger than it (laughs) and so like it just like and starts to fall 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 and four or five other ones come and grab it and help flap it up go ahead and make a charisma roll Okay. Two. It goes and it looks at it as the other ones are holding it, pulls off a bit and takes a bite, and then immediately just like... (laughs) Some of the dwarves go, oh boy. Oh boy. He, He didn't mean it. He didn't know you didn't like it. And I'm like getting down on on her level. And go trying ahead. to talk really gently. Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. That's a nine. It looks at you, and then they start to flash red. And they start moving around all of you in a flurry. Just almost like a cloud of like of uh, angry bees. They start grabbing at your hair. The dwarves start kind of trying to smack them away. They start pulling things off the walls in like groups of four <laughs> or three. One of them is, like, trying to grab Calcifer away from Ray, And then a few of the others have are diving into the fluid of the dragon where Ostrad is piloting it. And the ship is now beginning to shake. What do you guys want to do? Ray's going to sit down with Calcifer in her hand and, like, stay calm. Because you can't fight all these tiny little things. She's going to start laying out gems and say, this is for you. No. This is for you. <laughs> this is for you. Um, and like calmly just like saying that, putting him down and seeing okay. like if anything gets calmer. Is there is there a skill you would like to use with that? Is, does survival make sense? That could work, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That's a 15. As you start doing that, you watch as like they start slowly getting attracted to them. And... It takes until you've put until you put about ninety down. They all go up to them. I'm gonna start like patting them on the head and say, "It's okay, it's okay, it's okay." This is very outside of character for Ray. It's awkward looking. And- <laughs> While a lot of them are completely enraptured with them, mostly because it seems like they're staring at their reflection in the gems, mm. and you're touching them. I as you're touching them. You can go ahead and roll a persuasion roll with advantage. That's a seven and a five. 
for the time being, uh, they seem placated enough. The ones that are in the dragon come back up out, and they also join their fellows. And Ostrad goes, <laughs> "Oh boy, uh, you guys keep keep them keep the keep them there until they leave, okay? I'm gonna get us the rest of the way there." I'm gonna start putting pieces of cheese out out to buy the crystals, and then hoping that all this helps them stay calm. They begin munching on the cheese. They begin kind of playing with the gems. But even as Ostrad brings the dragon down next to the scientific outpost that he was telling you was the cover for the safe house, the little windwalkers never leave like he thought they would. In fact, they stay enraptured by it all. (laughs) Ostrad carefully pulls up out of the fluid that he used to fly the dragon carefully walks around them the other dwarves carefully walk around them and they start making their way out of the dragon ahead of you do they talk to the windwalkers every time you try to engage them in conversation they don't seem like they can they just seem like they can move their faces up in a smile or down in a frown okay i'm gonna get on their level and just like yeah smile at them you've been giving them so much stuff at this point that one that almost seems like to be the leader of them, a thick kind of pixie Mm. comes up, very matriarchal looking, and she smiles the biggest smile at you and puts a hand out to your finger to shake it. Raise, like... And she grabs it with both... She puts her finger out. She grabs both, like, hands around the finger and she flies up and down, and then she lets go, puts her arms across her bosom, and then... Like, almost as if, like, symbolizing a hug, raises them out to you. And she smiles and she waves it around the entire cockpit of the dragon, looks around with a smile, then back at you, and then shakes her head. Oh, no. Ray looks confused, like, like trying to say, I don't understand. And I say that, like, what do you, what do you mean? She just does it again. Oh, no, no, no. I know what she wants. Is Ostrad off the ship? Ostrad is off the ship. This is where Ostrad wanted to be, right? Yes, we... But And there will be another ship here, right? <laughs> there supposedly will be another ship. Can you wait one moment so I can confirm there's another ship for us to leave? Make a persuasion roll. This little... 14. The pixie nods its head. Yes. Can you... Promise? It nods its head. Atlas, can you go check to see if there's another ship? Sure. Don't give the ship away. <laughs> he walks out. As you walk out, there's a few things that kind of like catch your attention, Atlas. Some of it's the whir of machinery. You see various like scientific drones flying around, 
they're little iBots with little implement hands that come out and they seem to be carrying various like beakers and things that they seem to be using to capture things from the atmosphere. Some of them are collecting pollen and other things and they're like flying in and out, dozens of them. The skies are roiling this orange and casts this strange sandy glow across everything. And the other thing you notice is Ostrad going, Oh dear. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, I wasn't crazy. I, I wasn't crazy. G- g- Fable Gloom. I-, I I wasn't crazy. And one of the other dwarves, Alistair, goes, That could be anyone's ship. Then Alistair looks back at you, Atlas, and goes, Right? And now you see that there is a ship that the others are looking at and that obviously doesn't belong. It is a normal starship. It is a compact fighter that probably could carry about three people. And it looks like it's been banged up and is barely held together. Scorch marks are fresh upon it. And it looks like it's been repaired many times over. Has a bunch of modifications in terms of gunnery. And it lies empty. Mm. Alice will go back in for a second. Ignoring the dwarf. And then turn back around and tell uh, Ray that we might have an issue. Uh, it's unknown as of right now, but supposedly Fabled Gloom ship is here. So to answer your question earlier, though, yes, there is another ship. The pixie flies up, smiles, looks at all of you, and then it goes... Wait, and all of the wait. pixies fly up all at once, start twirling around. What do you do, Ray? I have a request before you take this ship. The ship that's out there... We can't fly on it because it belongs to someone else who's alive. Can you help us kill them? Then you can have this ship. Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. Zero. The matriarch flies over, kisses you on the nose, Ray. Gives you one big hug as a handful of these other ones fly into the center console of the dragon. The water begins to bubble. The dragon... The engines and all of the things that allow it to fly flare to life. But instead of like coming on like a normal like rumble, it almost sounds like a scream of pain. And the ship immediately just jolts up and to the side, like a, almost as if it just drunken. And you hear the dwarves kind of yell out on the other side, and one of them goes, They're still in the ship? I'm going to assassinate the matriarch. Oh. Yeah. 10 plus 6, 16. Hit. Die 4, so that's 2, 4, 7, uh, 15, plus 3, 18, times 2, 36. You immediately cut her in half. Oh. The ship is not yours. The jewels are not yours. The cheese is not yours. Get off the ship. The ship flies sideways. And they don't activate the gravitational force that allows you to stand in the ship. They seem to have a very rudimentary knowledge of what they're doing, if any. You guys are now sliding down the side. The fairies that you can see turn bright red. And then they all go invisible. 
like oh, one. Oh <laughs> no! And the screens pop to life. The screens that allow you to see outside. Atlas and Ray, I need you guys to both go ahead and make a perception roll as you're looking at the screens as well. Eight. Seven. For a brief moment as you're sliding and these screens pop on for just a second, you see the orange skies and the clouds and you think you see the shape of something. But then you are immediately distracted as the screens pop off again. And you can feel your guys' hair like whipping up as these fairies are going in and around you. And now you hear the what sounds like a cacophony of angry noises and the sounds of the wind rushing into the dragon as it starts to tumble down towards the center of the planet. The center of the planet that isn't sustainable to life. The center of the planet that is racked with storms. The center of the planet that has such a thick gravitational force as if you were resting at the bottom of the ocean, if you were to go there. And so with that, we are going to jump into initiative and go into combat. And we will pick this up in our next episode of Starlight. Oh. Are you ready to fight, Atlas? Not some pixies. <laughs> okay, I gotta go to Babe and wake her up and feed her so I can get to a massage in 45 minutes. And with that, thank you guys for joining us. And we will see you next time. See you later, Spacers. See you guys. That was unexpected. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>